Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. Hey, what's going on, Syracuse? It is Thursday, May 23rd, 2019. Brent Axe continues to enjoy a long holiday weekend, as we will do as well. My name is Seth Everett. Polly Sibilia is here with me. Seth Goldberg is here. Tommy Hogan is here. Mike Waters will be here. It's a cast of characters. And they, we've been chomping at the bit because, let, let's face it, we had so much fun yesterday, we didn't want it to end. And so we've been counting the minutes till I'm reunited, and it feels so good with Polly Sibilia. What's going on, buddy? I don't know if I've heard more old person references in one statement in my life. You're going peaches and herb reunited. You like that reunited, and it feels so nice. Uh, there's not a lot of people that uh, that get that. As a matter of fact, I heard a podcast today. You, you being the '80s junkie, uh, will appreciate. I heard a podcast today, and they do that one hit wonder segment, and they were talking about it. They give all this background, and I swear I thought it was Shaggy's "Wasn't Me." You know that song? Yes, from it was, early it, 2000s. It was, it was Rock Me Amadeus. I said, wow, that's a deep cut. <laughs> 1985. Like, yeah, that's right. That's right in Polyphobilia's wheelhouse. I said, oh, my goodness, Rock Me Amadeus. I was impressed. Uh, nonetheless. Um, all right. Last night, I'm always surprised when things... Are you playing it now? Yeah. Might as well. I can't set it up? <laughs> I was going to talk over it. Go ahead. It's not that loud. Go ahead. You uh, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> so last night, trending on Twitter for the first time in Twitter's history was All in the Family. All in the Family was a television show from the 70s, and it would air in the 80s in reruns. And I saw it in reruns. I, you know, I was born in 1974, so I saw it in, in reruns. But it was an amazing show. It was a classic show. Did you know that Norman Lear, the creator of said show, and the Jeffersons for that matter, but the, the, the creator of these shows is still alive and still with it. He is 96 years old and he co-hosted a recreation of one of their classic episodes. So it's not a reboot. They're not doing a new series. This is like a one-night-only kind of extravaganza, and it proves one point to me, and that is, boy, these networks are desperate for anything because there are no, there's no good content on network television because of Netflix and HBO and Showtime and the Amazon Prime and the Hulu and all the other things that are spending billions of dollars on original content and what you saw was woody harrelson playing archie bunker 
Jamie Foxx playing uh, George Jefferson, Marissa Tomei as Edith, and I ate all of it up. I loved every second of it. I couldn't wait to see what you thought. I didn't watch it. Boy. Do you, do you think that Netflix this is not now work? Do you think Netflix now should definitely add that to their lineup like cuz it's been like classic shows? Yeah, it's been introduced to people now like if I'm them I would have that streaming immediately cuz people are probably dying to see other episodes. Right, so I'd like to do more. This was live, which I was really impressed. Jamie Foxx actually uh, slubbed a, a, a line. Uh, he, he fumbled over a line, and he stopped himself. And he goes, yep, this is live. Like, a lot of people just thought their TVs, you know, started acting weird. Like, it was, like, straight out of the 70s. It was very, very cute. Uh, Wanda Sykes played Louise Jefferson. Um, but I thought there were a couple of things that they could have referenced um, that they didn't. Will Ferrell uh, played Tom. Remember the the white neighbor for the Jeffersons? Yes, that would have been Lenny Kravitz's father, maybe. Is no, it, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold the on. The mom was Lenny. let me set this one up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not Lenny Kravitz's father. Uh, his wife, Tom's wife, in the show was Roxy Roker, who was Lenny Kravitz's mother. But in this show, it was Kerry Washington. And people know Kerry Washington. I personally don't. She was in that movie. Uh, she was in the movie about the, the women that worked for the space program. Um, that I can't remember the name. Yes. I, I, can't, I, I, I can't remember it. But uh, no, it was a good, good time had. But we are already in summer stunts. Like, that's a summer stunt. That is something you'll only see when there's literally no more ideas. Like, all the finales of all the shows are over, and now it's just kind of, let's just see if we can throw stuff against a wall and see if it sticks. And for, for at least one night, it did. I thought it was pretty good. The, the weak link, and it's no offense to him, but I thought Woody Harrelson was miscast. I felt that way about Solo also, so he's, he's, he's in a slump. Yeah, that's right. He was in Solo, and he's in. Uh, he was in Venom. Do you know what his issue is? Woody Harrelson is his, the issue with him is now is he's Woody, he's and, Woody. and I can't right. shake it. it he, right, he's, he's Cheers. Right, he, he's been typecast. So, right, he can't get out of Woody, so you don't take him seriously. I just thought, you know, Carol O'Connor, who's an iconic actor, uh, he was a little overweight. Woody Harrelson's like slim and trim. It just didn't look right. It didn't look like Archie Bunker. I don't know. I, I guess I guess you shouldn't judge an actor by by his his lack of weight. I, I, I don't know. I, I just it was weird, um, but it was it was cute and it was it was fun. Meanwhile, uh, I had a question for you, sir. Sure. Um, you usually have your finger on the pulse of the Salt City. When Tim Tebow was announced that he was coming to Syracuse, was that a real big deal or was that a media driven big deal? To uh, the media, it was huge. I think I don't. I may be pessimistic, but I feel as if to the average person, it was kind of ho hum because it's he's not. It's not like you were getting Strasburg again. You're you weren't getting you know uh, Tony Fernandez to age myself. Tony Fernandez is a player that was. A, a I do not regret the All in the Family references. Then, <laughs> well, Tony Fernandez was going to be the next big thing coming out of Syracuse, and they yeah. it's it's shortstop. Yeah, it's just he. You people know he stinks. Like they're trying to polish a turd. You know, it's the old lipstick on a pig. 
thing. Uh, you know, it's it's Tim Tebow. I would have gone yes. lipstick on a pig better than the polished line. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if I'm going to judge the lines, I, w- I choose one line over the other. Well, you know, I'm not a, a Tim Tebow fan by any stretch. I am actually, I dislike the guy. Uh, why I dislike the guy, I don't like some of the things that he has said and done over his life, and I don't buy into the holier-than-thou uh, uh, image that he tries to portray. But I thought that the Mets signed him for the worst reasons. We kind of referenced this on yesterday's show for a little bit, just because it was such a Mets thing to do. Uh, it's kind of like the way the Jets signed him as a quarterback. You know, he had a flash in the pan with the Broncos, and I'm not judging him as he's a better quarterback than I ever was, and he was a fantastic uh, college quarterback, but he was never going to be a real pro quarterback uh, for the same reasons why no one's considering Eric Dungy as a viable NFL quarterback. And this argument that Tim Tebow has this competitive fire and something to prove, well, look, maybe he does. Maybe he wants to be a baseball player. But he took a job the instant his football career was over. He took a job with ESPN and became a college football analyst. If you're a baseball player and want to be a baseball player, there are plenty of winter leagues. There's the Arizona Fall League that takes place in October that's in gorgeous Phoenix, Arizona. Go play there for a month and don't do college game day. Or, Mr. Tebow, if you were really, really committed, you want to show me something? Go down to the Dominican Republic. Go to Puerto Rico. Go to Mexico. There's winter leagues all over the place. If Tim Tebow said, I am taking a month off from ESPN to go down and I'm going to play a month of winter ball to work on my game, I would be the first person to tip my cap to him. Because that's what baseball players do. That's what, that's what all the minor leaguers that are trying to get, uh, you know, get to the majors, they're trying to get to the show, they will do anything possible to get to the show. Tim Tebow's not that. I think his act worked better in Binghamton uh, than it is in Syracuse. I don't know that he's putting butts in the seats like they had expected, but who knows? I, I think he's actually pretty good on ESPN, so oh, take I, that. Uh, do, you, do, uh, watching him reminds me, it's like watching A-Rod. I, like, I don't buy a thing he says. He... Uh, if you want to get into the whole, he's not a good baseball player. I a hundred percent agree with you. I, I I don't know his you think personal as a story. Football enough. analyst. He's fine. F- he's fine as a football analyst. He breaks it down like a football analyst does. Yeah, he's as good as anybody else is at the job. So All he's right. terrible at baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going to sugarcoat that. But do, he's do, he's decent on there. Do people okay? Now I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you about about Tebow, but I'm going to ask it about the city and the reaction to the changing of the name, the Chiefs to the Mets. Was that a big deal, or was that the media said it was a big deal because the media is traditionalist and nostalgic and and he, whatnot? Was that a is that a big thing to people? Because uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to cry over spilled milk. It pissed me off. I think it is the people that like baseball, but this town doesn't care about that team. I And I don't mean to be a jerk about it, but nobody's cared about that baseball team in decades. You know, 
who cares if they change the name? I I may be in the minority on this, but it, maybe it's going to breathe some life into that that franchise over there. No, nobody cared when they were the Chiefs. Nobody cares now that they're the Mets, as far as I can tell. So, but when they were the Chiefs, were they did, did they have a niche, albeit a small niche, very in the small. town? But no, no, but no, it was not, a niche. There, there is a there is a group. That I, I know this from my time living in Syracuse. I've known this just from paying attention to Syracuse. The Chiefs have always had a place. I don't think the Mets have a place. I, I wouldn't say it's a niche. Like you can say there are. Do the, crun- do the there, Crunch have a niche? Yes, yes. Right. You could say there are twenty thousand Syracuse football fans for the past ten years. That was a niche. Like they, you knew you had those guys in the Carrier Dome every game. You know, the Syracuse Chiefs and Mets had five. You know, but I'm not it's, talking it's, about I'm not talking about attendees. I'm not talking. No, the, you the, had hundreds of thousands of Syracuse football fans. They just weren't spending their hard-earned money on a yeah, product. Yeah, the, like. the, the 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 Chiefs have five people that that show up every game, and they probably bring their pens in the scorebook, and they've been doing it since Tony Fernandez played. <laughs> Again, with the Tony <laughs> Fernandez reference. All right, uh, here coming up, we'll find out what other random baseball players Paulie will say. Uh, plus, the great Mike Waters will weigh in on the O'Shea Brissett conversation. Uh, Mike Waters has much more information to come as well. Uh, that's coming up. If you uh, if you are a, a Chiefs fan or a Syracuse baseball fan, uh, let's hear from you. Uh, let's hear from you via the Twitter. Let's hear from you via the lines. Uh, let, 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 let me hear that I want somebody to stand up for this team. Because if nobody's standing up for this team, then if I if you don't care, I don't care. I I'll sleep well at night knowing that the the Syracuse have you ever Chiefs seen a exist. picture of the stadium when a game's going on? Oh, I've seen. I've been it's there. It's depressing. <laughs> I I've gone. I love it. I can go up and buy tickets and sit behind home plate. But it, it, it's going to take a miracle to fill that stadium. Tim Tebow ain't the miracle that's going to fill no, that stadium. No. No, no matter what he says. <laughs> All right, Mike Waters is coming up in just a moment. Uh, he's Paulie Sevilla. I'm Seth Everett. We are just getting warmed up here on ESPN Syracuse. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. All right, back here on ESPN Syracuse. Seth Everett, Paulie Sevilla in for Brent Axe. This is On the Block on a Thursday afternoon in the city of Salt. Syracuse, New York. We are uh, going to go back to the Burdick Toyota hotline and welcome in for his weekly spot uh, from the Syracuse, uh, Syracuse.com and the Syracuse newspapers, the great, and I say the great, Mike Waters. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you, man? <laughs> Seth, I'm good. It's good to hear your voice again. It's been too long. Seriously, it's, it's been too long. We have to hang out one of these days. Absolutely. It's going to be the rule. There's going to be a beer night with you and me. Um, I'm there. Let's start it off this way. Um, O'Shea Brissett announced that he was going to attempt to, to uh, qualify for the NBA draft. Uh, that was a medium highlight, or headline, rather. Now, all of a sudden, he goes to a combine, and the next thing you know, now people are starting to talk about him as a real player. What has been your perception? We'll talk about the impact on Syracuse of him leaving, but what has been your perception of O'Shea Brissett in the draft class of 2019? You know, it's really interesting that you can play 70-some college games over two years and have scouts watch your every move 
And yet, right. and, and somehow change some people's opinions of you in two days. And in, you know, playing maybe 20 minutes a game, you know, it's, and I don't know. It's, it's really curious that that can happen. But apparently, O'Shea did um, raise some eyebrows, maybe raise his draft stock a little bit. I'm curious as to how much, in truth, he raised his draft stock. <clears throat> I know some people have put out there, you know, some ridiculous claims like he's going to be in the first round. I'd be shocked um, if, if that happens because, listen, anybody can go 15 or 25 and shooting three-pointers in drills. Um, high school kids can do that. Um, but can you make them in a game? And last year, Roche didn't make them in games. Now, well, – I think the scouts did get a chance to see him do a few things that maybe he didn't get to do at Syracuse. Uh, guard further out on the perimeter and the open floor, man-to-man. If he proved he can do that, that might have checked off a box that some scouts didn't have checked off yet. They might have looked at him a little bit more closely in terms of his shooting. Because I said this all season long. I know what his percentages were from three-point range, but he's a good shooter. He has a good shooting motion. The shot is there. It was there as a freshman when he made about 33% from three-point range. Why he dipped as a sophomore, who knows? Maybe he had NBA on the brain, and it affected him. But regardless, he can shoot the ball. And Jim Beheim told me at the Final Four, he expected him to shoot it really well in his junior year. So... You know, I think he helped himself, but now he's got a very, very important month now of going out and doing individual workouts with teams, and he's got to convince somebody out there to take a chance on him. How much did what happened with Tyus Battle last year going into this year, do you think affected his decision? Do you think he saw that and said, I've got a shot, i got to go now? I don't think so. Um, I don't, I'm going to say, let's emphasize think. I'm not sure. It very well could have. But I've been told that O'Shea pretty much had it in his mind before the season started that he was this was going to be his last year. And, you know, it's really hard to take a kid who's got that on his, on his mind, that that's his goal, and shake him away from that and somehow convince him, you know what, maybe you need one more year. You didn't have the greatest sophomore year ever on record. Um, you know, prove to the scouts, improve your game, make yourself more ready for the pros. Um, so, but he could have still looked at, at Tyus and said, Tyus is no better off after coming back for a year when they did say it. So, you know, if I've got even a chance, I think it was more of a case of somebody gave him some really positive feedback in Chicago at the combine. They liked what they saw. They gave him some encouraging news, uh, you know, and maybe he knows he's going to get drafted and that's enough to stay in. Cause I don't think Tyus heard that a year ago. I think he wanted to be in the draft thought he was going to be drafted. I think initially he thought he was going to be as high as maybe an early second-round pick. And then when the feedback started coming in, it was not certain he was going to get drafted at all, and that's when Tyus changed his mind and came back to school. So We're talking to Mike Waters here on ESPN Syracuse and, of course, uh, Mike from Syracuse.com. Um, okay, but you talk to a lot of uh, analysts. You talk to a lot of scouts. I mean, I, I see the, mm-hmm. the mailbag all the time. You fend off such cockamamie questions all the time. <laughs> um, you're a busy person, but you talk to a lot of people. Did Was the general consensus, take O'Shea Brissett's feelings out of this, yeah. tell me if this is a guy that could benefit from another year at college and that his NBA ceiling 
would be a different ceiling had he played a junior year and then went to the NBA. Yeah, you have to be really careful when you start saying, oh, so-and-so would be better off coming back to college. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it can enhance a player's profile. They can sharpen right. up an Is area that of their guy? game Is that's that lacking. Guy? That, right, that's the question. I think he could have. I think he could have shown scouts, like, look, I can shoot the ball. But maybe he showed them that in Chicago and now doesn't have to come back. Um, you know, what area of the game was he really going to, that's going to help him in the NBA? Uh, Sam Vicenti of The Athletic, who's outstanding and Very has a lot one. of connections in the NBA and does a, he's kind of more on that end of the game, the NBA end, than I am, where I'm over here on the college side. And he pointed out if O'Shea Brissett comes back and basically occupies the same sort of role in the offense, it's not necessarily going to, be playing to his strength, and it's also not necessarily what NBA scouts want to see. If they're viewing him as a 3-and-D guy, they want to see how he can do as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He didn't really get those kind of opportunities this past season. Now, you could argue he could get a few more next year because there's going to be more shooters on the floor around him and perhaps a more dynamic point guard than what Frank Howard gave him this past year with Elijah Hughes on one wing, Buddy Bayheim and another, Joe Girard coming off the bench, and Jalen Carey at the point. Maybe O'Shea does get some more traditional spot-up three-point opportunities than he had. But if he has to come back and do a little bit more of what Tyus Battle did, which is create for himself, that's a change to his game. And I'm not, I don't know if he's going to look great all the time doing it. So maybe he's just better off, listen, go. Go to G League. I don't know. It, it's a really tough call. There are definitely guys – where I had to say flat out, you would have been better off coming back because you needed to be better. You needed to be better when you got that opportunity because when that opportunity window closes on you at the pro level, it closes, and it can close for good if you're not really ready. That said, like look at Malachi Richardson. He's had three seasons since he left after his freshman year. Could he have arguably benefited from another year at Syracuse? Yes, but he was a first-round pick. And he's had opportunities with two different NBA franchises and three years to get better and apparently hasn't done it to enough to the point where I, I don't know if he's going to be in the NBA next year. So, you know, listen, sometimes going pro doesn't get you ready. I think it's on the individual, no matter which decision you make. It really goes to the individual and how hard you're willing to work and are you working on the right aspects of your game. Everybody talked about how his year last year wasn't as great as his freshman year. But they're now losing their best rebounder and potentially 14, 15 points a game. How do they replace him offensively? Yeah, the, you know, Paulie, that's the, the rebounding that I think is going to be the big worry. Because you, you you got some guys who can put the ball in the basket. We mentioned Elijah Hughes. He, had, he rose up last year. Well, he was their second leading scorer. He scored more than O'Shea. Um, you know, Frank Howard didn't do much for you at point. And I think the point's a huge question mark. But really, replacing the Frank Howard you had last year isn't that hard. Um, you know, Buddy Beheim. Oh, see, I get in trouble if I guards. said things I like that. I like Quincy Guerrier. I think he can replace O'Shea's scoring. I don't know yet if he's the same type of rebounder that O'Shea has been the last two years. I mean, O'Shea is a lock at pulling down eight rebounds a game, minimum. I mean, his two-year total for rebounding is succeeded by only one other guy in Syracuse history, and his name's Derek Coleman. I mean, think about that. Two years rebounding total, and it's, it's less than only than Derek Coleman. 
So, yeah, you're losing a big-time rebounding presence, and I think that's the one area where you're going to miss O'Shea. Mike, uh, before we let you go, we're talking to Mike Waters from Syracuse.com here on uh, on the block in for Brent. Uh, what do they do with the extra scholarship now? There's an extra scholarship. Uh, what, are you, what are you hearing? It's pretty late in the game. I doubt you're going to get a class of 19 recruiting a high school senior. Could there be a fifth-year senior, a grad transfer out there? The market's thinning a little bit on those guys. And, and to be honest, you know, a guy coming in as a grad transfer, generally the guys that can really help you, they want to see where's my area of opportunity. And I don't know where you're pointing someplace where you have a gaping hole to fill. I mean, a fifth-year grad transfer is going to know Quincy Garrier's in the program. He's going to know Marek Dolezal's there. I mean, you know, who are you bringing in that's really helping? You know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it can upset some chemistry. They might just, unless there's somebody out there that's super attractive. Um, and, you know, maybe Nathan Knight, a local kid who was at William & Mary, and he's entered his name in the draft, but he hasn't, at this point, he could still remove his name from the draft. He's a big 6'10", 6'11", kid. Who knows where Nathan might end up? He might not be too bad, especially given his local ties. Well, it's a possibility indeed. Um, how busy, how much of your day when it's the off season do you spend on Twitter? And how much of the day do you spend just responding to wackadoodle emails? It depends on the day, largely, um, and perhaps maybe the story that I posted in the morning. Um, some days, you, you oh, know, I see. So if you if you post a story where there's going to be a lot of opinions and response, that becomes a hectic day for you. Yeah, you know, sometimes I just let people have at it. You know, you're you're free to your opinions, blah blah blah. Go ahead. Sometimes right. I might chime in to, to either just kind of play devil's advocate. Sometimes I will go in on occasion and. Say, let, let's get our facts straight here. That's what you just said isn't exactly true. And okay, and now once I put that information out, okay, everybody, have at it again. <laughs> well, and I just sit back and watch the tires burn. More annoying well, guy on Twitter. <laughs> Z- why do they play zone or he's not ready for the NBA guy? <laughs> why do they play zone guy should like know by now that's not changing. I can almost understand the NBA guy. Um, so, yeah, I think the zone guy's more annoying. <laughs> that's very funny. Very, very good. Very good. All right. Um, Mike, thanks for doing this. It's good to reconnect. And like I said, first round's on you. After that, I'll take care of everything else. Oh, that's a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> I just want just to lob it up there, see what he was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I think All right, your Mike. rate of return is really going to be poor, but I'm ready. Let's go. All right. Mike Waters from Syracuse.com right here on the block in for uh, Brent Axe, Seth Everett, Paulie Sibilia. And don't forget, listen to ESPN Syracuse for your chance to win a trip to the ESPN studios in Bristol. Caller number five right now will be registered for a chance to win. You can also register at McGuire Chevrolet in Baldwinsville. Some lucky contestants will be drawn for our Papa Shot Challenge at Dave & Buster's at Destiny USA on June the 10th. The winner heads to Bristol, Connecticut on June 18th with Brent Axe and Seth Goldberg for a behind-the-scenes look at the ESPN studios. Win a trip to ESPN 
from Pathfinder Bank, McGuire Chevrolet, Dave and & Busters, and our friends at ESPN Radio Syracuse. That's I behaved. Us. I behaved. That's us. I, we are in Yesterday, I used that opportunity to take a shot. I, I'm not going to take a shot right there. <laughs> I, 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 I want to be kinder and gentler. You know, you don't bite the hand that feeds you, especially considering he knows where the the, the, the button is, and he could easily just pop me down. Uh, we'll continue here. Seth Everett and Paulie Stabilia in for Brent. Uh, we'll react to a lot of what you heard from Mike Waters next here on ESPN Syracuse. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Is this the uh, the original version or the yes. dirty remake? This is Toto. Toto. Got it. Welcome back. ESPN Syracuse, Seth Everett, and Polly Sibilia in for Brent. Brent will be back on Tuesday. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to dissuade a, a promo because uh, I think it's cool that there's radio coverage of the lacrosse Final Four. Um, that's not something that is normally... Uh, was never, it was never on in my day. It was never on in my day. But I will sell you, as someone who watches 85 to 90% of Syracuse lacrosse games, when they're out of it, that's a tough watch. I, don't, I, I can't watch the other teams. I don't, I don't care about the other teams. I care when we're in it. Once we're out of it, I lose my my interest wanes. Okay, kind of a kind of a rule. Kind of a slow time of year, and it's uh, sports on Memorial Day weekend. No, I think I, I said it's not a bad thing to air. I think it's great. I, questioning I, I, my judgment. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not saying that it shouldn't be on. It, it, it's a fine. It's a fine event, and it was never on radio coverage when I, you know, when I was living in Syracuse. Syracuse grad Dave Ryan does an excellent job. Calling he does, him. Dave, the great Dave Ryan. I interned for Dave Ryan uh, back in in the day. All right, uh, let's go to the uh, busy phones and uh, welcome in Jake in Syracuse. Jake, you're on ESPN Syracuse. What's up? Hey, guys, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, living in a post-Burset world here. we got to replace 70% of our starting lineup, you know, three guys and Frank Howard. But I would like to see – that's 80%, you get it? Okay. I, I'd like to see this team really run and gun, really push the tempo a lot more. you got Hughes, uh, Gerard, and, and Buddy on the wings shooting threes and really open up, space the floor more. Um, Jalen Carey hopefully can play point guard. Point guard, you might have the letters PG next to your name uh, on a starting lineup, but it's a mentality. And uh, Jalen Carey was more of a scorer than a pure natural point guard. I hope he grows into it. I also hope they uh, take uh, uh, Braswell and uh, Dolajai, throw them in a weight room with a pizza and lock the doors because that, rebounding statistic of Bursette, you know, that, that, that Waters gave was just absolutely impressive. So that's kind of what I'm looking for, more up-tempo. Maybe we can get Rick Pitino as an assistant coach. Thanks for taking He's my available. call. He's available. Appreciate the call. I will say, going into this year, prior, you know, I, I was worried the offense was going to be the same, and it was the same. This year, I don't know what the offense is going to be, but I'm hoping that they find a way with this group of people to score the basketball better and make it a little more aesthetically pleasing to watch. But uh, this idea that they're going to be fighting tooth and nail for every board, it's going to be a something that, you know, you you know the opponents and you know the size of some of these opponents, and it's just going to be 
Uh, it's going to be a hassle, but you know, I, I like years where we go in with little to no expectations because that's always when Syracuse impresses. You know, the one part of the conversation with Mike Waters that I would love to revisit and something that you know we didn't bring up um, just because of, of timing and, and such is is what the impact of recruiting has on the uncertainty surrounding Coach Beheim. That is there so much uncertainty that you don't know how long he's going to be there. And I am not one of those people. I don't scream about the coach. I respect the hell out of his career. He goes when he wants. But when there was a plan, this team was better. Now that there's no plan and it's just kind of a year by year, what's the impact of that? And I, that, that was the one direction that we didn't go with Mike Waters that I had hoped. Yeah, I think probation has had more of a uh, more of an effect on er- everything than anything else that, that that's affected Syracuse basketball the it's past very few, eloquent few years. It's it's not the recruiting they they weren't able to recruit as well. So we'll see. And, and I don't think Bayheim's going anywhere anytime soon. So, well, what would you say? Five years? Who knows? Would you, would you say five you know, to eight years? I, I mean. Why was he so comfortable with the plan for Mike Hopkins? Do we know that he was like you know? But he but he played it. He played it very well. Then. Yeah, when your boss he, tells you you got to do things, you do no, it. No, that's not him though. That's not the way he operates. You you know you can read his body language. You know how he feels about something. I, it just seems to me that that this uncertainty is having an adverse effect. I don't know. It, it just seems like it's it, it, it's having an adverse effect because their ability to get you know these impact players just seems to be I don't know not as plentiful. Well, I think that's where put, the probation had an effect, and we'll see if no, that continues. It. We'll see if that continues and not let it's over, and, and we'll see how they do this year. Let's everybody take a deep breath. <laughs> Let's see how they do this year. We will continue here on ESPN Syracuse. Uh, Don't forget, uh, we've got much, much more to come as uh, we roll through here on ESPN Syracuse. This is On the Block. Uh, Brent Axe is normally the host. He normally hosts by himself. It takes two people to fill in for him. We will continue to do so till the top of the hour right here on ESPN Syracuse. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. All right, Brent Axe will be back on Tuesday. This is the cleanup crew. Seth Everett and Pauly Sibilia will be here today and tomorrow. And then we'll enjoy the uh, glorious Memorial Day weekend as uh, the official, unofficial start of summer. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. Uh, John is in Syracuse. John, you're on ESPN Syracuse. How are you doing? I just said the word Syracuse six times in (laughs) ten seconds. (laughs) Yeah, you were talking about Bayheim and the way his recruiting is starting to fall off. Yeah. You notice that what, when Mike Hopkins is doing out at Washington, the blue chips he's bringing in, he just signed two five-star players. Stewart was one of them that had to out-recruit Kentucky, UCLA, and Carolina for. And and look at where Bayheim. he's got a bunch of guys coming in that he had to beat out a bunch of nobodies for. I mean, I, I can't believe where this program is starting to head. Wait, I wish he would have just got out of here and left Hopkins well, that's, here. That's not very, that's not very positive. That's kind of grumpy, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is very grumpy. I, uh, I'm just disgusted. By what? What happened that you're disgusted by? I don't get this call. Compared to the players that uh, 
Bayheim's bringing in, and you look at Mike Hopkins and what he's what he's doing Mike out Hopkins there. Mike Hopkins recruited Stewart for ten years. It, it, of course, he got him. Well, he got another five-star big man out there too. I mean, it's just if he was here, it'd make all the difference in the world of recruiting, as far as I'm concerned. Mike it's Hopkins just, was I, here. I, just, I think Bayheim is just too selfish. He just doesn't want to retire and get out. The, the lineups that Syracuse had the past couple of years were recruited by Mike Hopkins. Yeah, that it's not a it's not an argument. That that's not the if you want to argue that there was probation and the probation and the lack of I'm scholarships. By that call. That's an argument. That's that's a legitimate argument. The argument that he's what's selfish about what what does he go into somebody's living room and says, "You don't want to play for me." <laughs> I don't get like Hopkins was responsible for the lineups that were on the Listen, on the court the past few years. And Mike Hopkins has had a great uh, run so far at Washington, mm-hmm. which pains me to no end. But he's also in a terrible conference right now. If the Pac-12, whatever, no, 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 I, 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 gets I, I, better. I understood, well, but the fact is, is I just think people want to know that there's a plan. And it's something that you've grown to expect from a program. No one thinks he's coaching forever, so just what's the plan? And maybe once you told me what the plan was, then, you know, grumpy people would say they don't like the plan, but that's not the issue. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the, the issue is it's it, it appears, just perception from a fan's perspective, that it's rudderless. And I understand that feeling. I, that I understand. The, the whole selfish thing, I didn't really, I don't, really I don't get that feeling. And Syracuse will land a good coach when Beheim decides to step down. I'm not worried about that either. Yep, we got uh, two minutes. Goldberg, you ready for a blindside? Why don't you? <laughs> you got one blindside question for us? Yeah, one blindside question. Okay. It's brought to you by Burdick Toyota. Let's go places in a new Toyota from Burdick Toyota and Cicero. The Toyota lineup has it all from the great fuel economy of the Corolla to the sheer power and towing capacity of the Toyota Tundra. Take advantage of great lease deals out at Burdick Toyota. Visit BurdickToyota.com. All right, you got 30 seconds, Goldberg. Go for it. It's time for the blind side. 27 seconds. Oh, I, I, oh that's when you raise the verdict to your thing. Oh, that's, <laughs> it's that's all good. Too bad. What's the next sitcom you want to be brought back alive for one night and one night only? Silver Spoons. Oh, Different Strokes. Good call. Two of my favorites. <laughs> different Strokes. That's all you got? All right. I mean, I have no, others, but that you said one. No, we don't have, we don't have that right. much time. All right. all right. We'll do it tomorrow. Save these for tomorrow. Say, we'll, we'll, we'll save them. That'll, yeah, that'll you can do be that. A, They're evergreen. All right. <laughs> Now, now your work now your work is done tomorrow. You can come in late. You there got nothing go. else. It's even better. Even better. Hey, uh, don't miss an exciting evening of boxing action as former world champion Zab Judah and Cletus Zeldin kick off the 30th Boxing Hall of Fame induction weekend at Turning Stone on Friday, June 7th. Tickets on sale now or be caller number five for your chance to win. So there's all of that coming up. I see that blindside was ten times better as yesterday. Yeah, we only we limited Seth, that's why. Listen, work with me here. <laughs> Play along. That was great. Yes, I thought I I thought that was much much better, much better. But uh tomorrow we'll have uh, much more on the show. I think we're going to do another baseball guest tomorrow. Not really sure who that's going to be just yet, but we'll see who we we come up with and uh we'll pontificate a little bit more. I I just think like I said, people love to know the plan. They want to know so that they can know what to complain about and they don't have that 
at the ready. So yeah, I, un- I understand the frustration. I just, you know, I'm not going to cry over spilled milk. All right. We'll be back. Uh, uh, thanks to, uh, to Goldberg and to Tommy and to everybody else. Uh, for Polly, I'm Seth. This is On the Block on ESPN Syracuse.